Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Hi there, my name is John Norman, author of the book Unmasked, and thank you for everyone who has bought the book, shared it, liked it, and really helped the message get out there that we can all live in freedom. We can dare to be the real you. And, you know, as we look around our world right now, many people are wearing physical masks, but this book is nothing to do with physical masks. It's everything to do with the invisible masks that we all wear. Those masks could be shame or guilt or fear or anxiety, um, and they're just four out of the 10 masks that we deal with in the book. And so I'm going to personally invite you to come on a journey because God wants us to live in freedom. The Bible says the truth sets people free and freedom brings you into a new way of living. So I encourage you to jump on this journey with us. Let's be honest. Let's be real. And let's see where we go together. And let's believe that the best days for you are ahead of you as we peel back the layers and we begin to see the real you. Listen, today, for all of you online, we're really excited here in the building, and I know you're going to join us in this excitement. I think it is an incredible achievement for Pastor John. Two years ago, he ran seven in seven. He said that this one has been harder for him. He'll talk about that in the interview, but to write a book alongside leading a church, alongside being a chaplain, I think it's a phenomenal achievement. So why don't we show Pastor John some love, honor him as he comes. Why don't we stand in the building, put some love in the chat, let him know just how much you love him. Well done, mate. Thank you. What a great achievement. Thank you. And you can take your seats. Got to say you're looking good today. New jacket. It's all happening. Chantelle's getting very excited down there. She thinks you're looking good, so that's a beautiful thing. She's just happy the hair's cut. (laughs) And she didn't do it. (laughs) She's very happy about that. Well, uh, John, this is a great achievement. And I know you've put a lot of time, a lot of effort into this. Just something that doesn't maybe come naturally. So why don't you tell us the story behind the book Unmasked? You're right. It doesn't come naturally. It took me two years. Um, It was 2018 that um, God spoke to me clearly. He said two things. I want you to write a book and I want you to run seven marathons in seven days. And... um, they both scared the living daylights out of me. The marathons were a real physical challenge on my body, but the book has been a real mental challenge. Um, running seven marathons, you didn't have to think about it. You just put your trainers on, head out the door, and you watch beeps at you when it's time to come home. But writing a book, you really have to tap into a whole new set of skills, which, to be honest, I didn't have. I got a D at English, uh, literature, and language. And so it didn't come naturally to me. When I sent my first draft off to um, America, to the publishers, it came back with um, just over 3,000 mistakes. So 3,000. 3,000. That's quite an achievement in itself, John. Well done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that made me feel good. And um, yeah, it's, so it was, it was a big achievement. I set myself a two-year goal, which I've pretty much done. And it's to really help, you know, we, we, we live in a world right now, everyone's wearing physical masks. This is nothing to do with that. The, but this is all about the invisible masks that we wear. And this is a hard-hitting book. It's not necessarily an easy read, although there is some funny, mischievous moments in the book. There certainly is. There's some um, classic John Norman lines. You're going to love it. But there's also, you know, I, the, 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 
we could have dealt with maybe 30, 40 different masks, but these are 10 masks that I've personally dealt with. Fear, anxiety, insecurity, perfectionism. Um, and then we, we land on the mask of sin. And I never wanted to write a book. I've, I made a commitment to God, whatever book I write lands at the cross. Because we've got to point people to Jesus. At the end of the day, this isn't a self-help book. There are, they're, 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 you know, you can buy a self-help, but this is a book that points people to Jesus. And so the whole thing is at the end, you, you take off the mask of sin, which leads you into a relationship with Jesus. And so, you know, and I've been able to put this book into, you know, influential people's hands who don't know Jesus, and they've committed to reading it. And the reality is many of those people may never come to this church. They may never ever pick up the Bible, but they will read that book. And so if this can be the first step, if this can be kind of base one for people discovering a journey of faith, for me, I've done my job. Yeah, I love that. Come on, isn't that awesome? I love the, I love the heart behind it. Anyone that knows Pastor John knows his heart is always for people that don't yet know Jesus. He's always wanting people to get made whole. So how could we get a hand on it? I know here, as we leave the building, people can. But for those online, how can people get a hold of this? So wherever you are in the world, well, I say wherever, in America, the UK, Europe, if you just head to your local Amazon, just type in Unmasked and John, make sure you put Unmasked in John because some strange other books come up called Unmasked. I won't go into those. Okay, but if you make sure you put Unmasked, J-O-N, it will come up. Some of you already done that. Um, <coughs> apologies. And then you could just order it through your local uh, Amazon, or they're available for those in the room, they're available straight afterwards, I'm going to be signing some books after the service. And um, also there's a little card on your, on, your, on your chair, a little QR code, you take that little card at home that's got all the, you can use it as a bookmark as well. But yeah, I mean, please get the book out there. Um, if you enjoy it, would you do me a favour, write a review, if you don't, speak to Alan, send Alan an email, tell him everything you don't like about it, he's waiting for those too, so... I love that. I reckon, church, we can really get behind this. This isn't just for us. I think we not only buy it, but put it on our socials. Let's get the word out and help people. I understand it's actually going pretty well. I think in the, uh, in the UK, in the Christian section, you're actually already number two. So I think that's a pretty awesome achievement. So uh, we've, just got to, we've just got to move Joyce Meyer out of the way. She's, <laughs> she's causing a bit of a problem. <laughs> She's very similar to you, isn't she, Joyce? We're very similar. Very similar. similar We've got a very similar style. Church, you're going to love this new series. It's not just a book launch. Uh, we're going to be, uh, Pastor John mainly is going to be preaching about this on Sunday mornings. Then I want to tell you about a couple of other exciting things. Uh, on Tuesday night in our groups, we're launching Soul Tuesdays, and that's going to involve an interview a bit like this with different members of our team, and we're just going to take 15 to 20 minutes, and that's for you as group leaders so that you can watch that yeah. together in your groups. Most groups are meeting on Zoom, so we'll upload it onto YouTube so that you can then watch the interview and then chat about it. It's going to be really awesome. And then on top of that, uh, someone that knows John in South Africa has very kindly written up a devotional that's going on to you version. So if you've got the Bible app, you'll be able to follow it on that. I think we are advancing and taking new ground. We are in for a great season, church. So we're going to, yeah, come on, let's give yeah. John a round of applause for all the hard work. I also want to say thank you because you know, there's a whole team. There's about 15 people that have got behind this project. And um, I can't name them all, but you know who you are. And they've been, they've been working on this tirelessly, especially this week. A lot of late nights to get the books here and get the books out. And, you know, we've sent books out all over the world. So thank you to everyone who's... And thank you to everyone who's bought a book as well. And, uh, you know, and if, the, if, if the book blesses you, you know, pass it on to someone else or get them a coffee or a copy even and a coffee. 
coffee and a copy. I'm a sure James Cowell will be getting Could a deal ready book. for us this week. But listen, we're going to turn to the Word of God. And when we turn to the Word of God, we come with yeah. faith and with expectation. So here in the room, why don't we all stand? And why don't we welcome not only Pastor John as he speaks, but let's really honor the Word of God. So come on, put some love in the chat. Let's, let's welcome Pastor John. Thank you, Steve. You can remain standing. We're just going to pray. I just want to say a special welcome in the room today to Margaret Squires, Paul and your dear wife. I know recently, Margaret, we lost uh, Mike, uh, your dad, Paul and Stephen. And, and uh, we just want to say that Mike was a great man. And he was a pillar in this church, part of this church for over 40 years in the foundations. And so we wanted to say, I know it's a big thing to be back in church today. We want you to know our thoughts, our prayers, and our love have been with you in this time. And uh, yeah, we love you. So would you put your hands together? Come on, let's welcome the family here today. <clears throat> Should we pray? The Bible says, where the spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. God wants to bring freedom in people's lives. Over the last 12 months, all we've seen is people living in fear and people living with some of these invisible masks that God wants to bring freedom into people today and through this series. So wherever you are online, in your living room, in the room, come on, let's believe God for just a spirit of freedom to come over you. Father, we thank you for this book. This is the moment in time for this book. I thank you that it's grounded in your word. I thank you that it's your word that builds faith. It's your word that brings transformation. I pray over these next 10 weeks as we dive in through groups, the YouVersion app, through the series, Father, through the book, Lord, I pray that you would help us, Father. Help us to be honest. Help us to acknowledge some of the areas that you want to bring freedom into, Father. And we would dare to be the real us, Father, the one that you created us to be in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it, say amen out loud. Okay, you guys can take your seats. There is a spiritual war happening and being declared on our identity right now. The enemy cannot create. All he can do is pervert. All he can do is hurt. And all he can do is destroy. But he cannot create. John 10.10 says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and live life in abundance. And the enemy always takes what God created and he tries to hurt it, pervert it, or destroy it. And the enemy loves us to wear invisible masks. Because while we're wearing a mask, we never deal with the underlying issue which is happening. And the simple truth is, the masks that we wear are never remotely close to the way that God created us to be. Now, a common response to a series like this is, this is just the way I am. You're just going to have to accept me. Okay? You need to get used to it. It might be the way you are, but it is not the way God intended it to be. God wants you and I to live in freedom. When we drop the mask, we have the potential to live the real you. The greatest gift to this world is the real you. Our series verse comes from the, a passage in 2 Corinthians from Paul. He was probably the greatest redemptive story in the Bible. And he, he proves one thing. No one is beyond the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. No one. 
It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. No one is beyond redemption. And he says this, he says, We who are unveiled or unmasked with our faces all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness. In this unmasking process, we are being transformed into the likeness of Christ. Many people have life goals. I don't know if you have a life goal. Maybe it's to have your own business. Maybe it's to be married. Maybe it's to pay off debt. Or I don't know what your life goal is. Maybe it's to travel to 100 different countries on earth. And all those things are positive. I believe as Christians, we should all have just one mission on earth exclusively. And it's this, to become more like Jesus. To become more like him. It says here, it says to be transformed into his likeness. The enemy knows that, and so what does he do? He, he, he tries to pervert, to hurt, and to destroy that process. Now, I'm not expecting any of us to remove any masks necessarily today, but maybe we could at least acknowledge the fact that we're wearing some. Transformation, it doesn't matter whether it's physical transformation, transformation always begins by recognition when you recognize that you need to change. These, we deal with 10 masks in the book. Every single one of these masks are masks I have personally and still do some of them struggle with. So this, I've tried to be as open, as transparent, and as vulnerable in the book as possible to help us realize, hey, we're all on this journey together. The subtitle is Dare to be the Real You. The real you which God created. Not the perverted you, not the messed up you that the enemy wants, but the real you which God created you to be. None of us were born with fear. None of us were born with insecurities. None of us were born with guilt or shame. We pick them up as life goes on. And here's the good news today. You might be wearing them, but you can acknowledge them and you can take them off and you can walk without them. You've got to make that decision in this process. So you're ready for chapter one? Okay, chapter one, we deal with fear. Growing up, I think we all felt and faced some sort of fear. Some were irrational, some were more rational. For mine, mine were irrational. I remember the fear of monsters in the garden. Did anyone ever have monsters in the garden fear? Just three of us. We should have a coffee later. (laughs) The curtains had to be completely closed. Anyone got children? There can't be any gaps in the curtains. You'll remember those. I remember running to my, my mummy's here today, and I remember m- running to my parents' bedroom, and 20 meters felt like 20 miles as you scrambled in to try and feel that warmth and safety and security. I wonder what you were afraid of as a child. Who's going to shout one out? Spiders. Spiders. Sounds like you still are. <laughs> Ghosts. Bunnies. Wow. There we go. Anyone else brave enough to shout some of their? The dark. That's a good one. The dark. The rest of you have never been fearful. I like this church. Flying. Bullies. Yes. Ghosts. Goats. Goats. Timu Pookie's a goat. A lot of defenses are afraid of him. But 
The strongest or the strangest fear that I've ever heard of is mortis cusus phobia. Does anyone know what that is? It's the fear of ketchup. There is a fear, I've been online, if it's on Google, it's always true. Okay, there is a fear of ketchup. Anyone, any ketchup lovers? I certainly don't have a fear. I love ketchup, okay? If you ever invite me around for dinner, make sure you've got a spare bottle. Okay, I like to, my, my, my food needs to float. And, um, but as we get older, I think our fear doesn't necessarily disappear. I think our fears just change, don't they? Maybe... We don't fear ketchup or the dark anymore, but we might fear losing our job during a pandemic. We might fear getting sick, or we might fear running out of money at the end of the month, or we might fear what's next. You know, maybe for our, all of our GCSE and A-level students, they're going, what does, what does this look like now for me? Am I going to university? Are they going to be open? And I know a lot of young adults are, are struggling right now with fear of, what does life look like anymore? Will I ever step foot on an airplane ever again and the reality is the more fear that we allow into our lives every time we place that invisible mask of fear it's hard for us to grow spiritually it's hard to develop your spiritual walk if you've been overtaken with fear God's plan for your life is it goes from strength to strength fear first takeaway is this fear is an enemy of God Fear is an enemy of God. Fear, fear, it grips us, it grounds us, it paralyzes us, it disarms us. Fear steals the very life which Christ came to give us. And fear has become an epidemic of epic proportions in this world. I don't know how we'd ever measure fear levels, but I would say they're going through the Richter scale in our world right now. Nearly every notification and Every news feed, it seems to be designed to feed our fears. The news seems to create a spiral of panic in our lives. I don't know about you, but I can't take any more. If we're lucky, we get two minutes at the end of a 30-minute broadcast with a little bit of good news from somewhere. But fear is... Fear isn't new, nothing new. It's always played a part in humanity. In fact, the most repeated phrase in scriptures, it's repeated 366 times. They even give you a bonus one, is fear not. Why? Because God realizes, the Bible says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. What's that talking about? It's saying, hey, there is going to be opportunities every hour of every day to be fearful. And fear is never satisfied. Fear is like a compulsive addiction. When you fear something, you fear something else. And fear will never volunteer itself away. You have to make a decision. And that's why this book, I felt God give me the desire to write this book, is because we've got to make some intentional decisions to remove some of these masks. And if you open the door, even a little bit in your life to fear, it will take over every room of your life. If you're fearful over one little area, it will creep in throughout it all. In the book, I talk a lot about the roots of fear. I haven't got time to unpack it, but you can read about it. But 
Roots of fear, a lot of it's to do with our conditioning, our environments as we grow up, grew up, our home life and all those things. I talk about that. I haven't got time this morning. But for me personally, the root of my fear is often the desire to be controlling. And as we have seen in our world in 2020 and beyond, the outcomes right now cannot be controlled. And control is the sense that I can I can hold the world, I can uphold the world without God's help. And I don't know about you, but we like to be in control. We don't like it when things have been, we don't like the fact we're not in control of our own summer holidays this year. We don't like it. So then we become fearful. Will I have a holiday? We don't like the control of I can't go to the the shops or I can't sit inside a restaurant. We don't like the fact when we're not in control because it creates fear and panic in our world. And as a leader, I often struggle with control and it's it's a rational fear. I justify it in my head that I'm the only one who can do it this way, so if I refuse to let go, I'm not in control, which then creates fear. But in doing so, I'm adding more pressure to my own life, and it's also adding pressure to other people's life, and it has a huge negative impact on others. See, fear is never satisfied with just impacting you. Fear always wants to impact someone else too. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, That means if God didn't create it, the enemy did. And whatever, I want you to write this down, whatever we can't control, we fear. Whatever we can't control, we fear. Most of our adult fears fall into four categories. Again, I unpack these in the book, but I want to just briefly run over them because it will help you. Because all of our fears fall into one of these four categories. Number one, it's the fear of failure. We fear failing in our businesses, in our jobs. This is my greatest fear, is the fear of failure. One poor choice could end it all for Chantal and I and for the church. I'm just being completely upfront, and we've seen it happen with, with leading Christians, and I've got to make sure that I'm making good choices in my life because one poor choice, being, I'm being honest. Can I be honest in this series? Is that okay? Be upfront. We have fears. I fear that this message won't work. I've never got up on this stage without a fear, a little Percy Parrot I've talked about before, saying maybe this, maybe this one won't work today. What is it? It's fear of failure. We all go, for you it could be fear at work, trying a new project or employing a new staff member. And little Percy Parrot says, oh, he's probably not the right one now, you've employed him. What is that? It's the fear of failure. The second fear we category is the fear of rejection. We live in a social media crazed society. We live in fear of being rejected online, unfollowed. We'll deal with this mass next week. The fear of loss. Why do we fear loss? Because we can't control death, so we fear it. Death cannot be controlled. That's why we have a pandemic of fear in our world right now. People predominantly are not worried about COVID they're worried about COVID killing them. And then that creates another question, what's next? Fear of loss. And then there's the fear of the unknown. Fear of what tomorrow may bring. And COVID has been simply a fear of, we don't know what July, I don't know about, who's a planner? Anyone like to plan? I like to know where I'm going, when I'm going there. But here's the deal. None of us can do that right now. So we have this, what we can't control, we fear. Now the good news today 
is this isn't the end of the story. God gives us steps in his word to living in freedom when it comes to fear. How do we remove it? Well, the Apostle Paul was a master at dealing with fear. He's been imprisoned, he's being investigated, and he is subjected to an impending death. He is on death row. Who knows, that's not a good situation to be in. I don't know if you've ever been on death row. I haven't personally. But this is not a good situation. If I was on death row, I wouldn't be writing letters encouraging others. I would be writing letters to Boris Johnson. Anyone else? Prime Minister, get me out of here. This is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. This is our... This is our scripture for removing the mask. Are you ready? It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, I will say it again. Who knows if your wife tells you twice, you should do it. If she says it twice, if dinner's ready, it's ready. I will say it again. Rejoice. Do you remember that old song? Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice, rejoice. (laughs) Some of you are too young. Oh, the good old days. Let your gentleness be evident to the Lord as near. Do not be anxious. Do not fear anything. But in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Verse 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, finally, soul church, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, notice he's not talking at all about his current circumstances. Think about such things. That was on key. Beautiful. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Somehow Paul found a way in a Roman jail to live in peace when he should be living in fear. He gives us three steps from this portion of Scripture. You're ready to write these down. These are all in the book, so you don't need to take notes if you don't want to, but they're all in the book. So number one, he says this. He says, rejoice. He opens the letter with rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. What does rejoice mean? Rejoice simply means worship. Paul's on death row. I mean, fear must have been raging. And he's so serious about it. He says, I need you to do it twice. As Paul sits in a Roman prison, he gives us this first key to dealing with fear. You're not going to find this in Waterstones. This isn't self-help. This is God's help. He says you can't overcome fear on your own. He says it begins by inviting the presence of the Lord into that space in your life. The first antidote to removing the mask of fear is worship. Now here's what I've found with fear. Worship is the very last thing I want to do when I feel fearful. The very last thing you want to do is the very first thing you need to do. You've got to make a decision that in my lowest, in my darkest, I'm going to invite Jesus in. Worship isn't a set list. 
a few nice songs. It's not a YouTube channel. It's not a playlist, a drum kit or a guitar. Worship is a weapon. Worship is your weapon against the enemy. And we're going to put this into practice in just a minute. Because I know that there are some irrational and some rational fears that you are living with. And you can dare to be different today. You can dare to leave this room with at least acknowledging that you are holding on to some fear of the past. And dare to live in freedom. Because match day is coming. You might feel good right now and think, yeah, I can handle it. But the reality is this worship team aren't going home with you. When you go into the boardroom, when you go into the the lecture hall, when you go into the Zoom meeting this week, and that fear comes on you, you've got to know how to deal with it because it will come. And so this is training ground practice. I want everyone just to stand to your feet. We're going to put this into practice just for a moment. In your homes, come on, in your kitchens. I want everyone to stand. Stand to your feet. We're going to tap into a greater power than this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I want you to fling your arms into the air right now. We're going to begin to magnify, rejoice in the Lord. Always rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Come on, tap into the power of God. Receive His Spirit wherever you are. Come on, this is how we fight. Rejoice. All right, you can take your seats. Don't worry, you'll be back up again in a minute, so don't get too comfy. Don't you be nipping off to the kitchen for coffee. You're going to miss this. Got to rejoice, Paul says. And then he says in Philippians 4, 6, he says, hey. Hey, Colin. Hey, Gordon. Pete. Diane. Richard. Lynn. He says this. He says, do not. Be anxious for anything. Oh, but you don't know what's going on in my marriage. You don't know what's going on in my... He says, it doesn't matter. I'm in a Roman jail. I'm about to die. You think your life's bad? Check this out. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, with every fear, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The second key to this, the second key to taking off the mask of fear, number one is rejoice, number two is release. Release. This is where we surrender. We surrender our fears to God through faith. We tell God our fears. Now, this is something I want you to lean in on. Whatever I fear God, whatever I fear the most is where I trust God the least. Can we think about this? Whatever you fear the most in life is where you trust God the least. I don't think I've ever got on a flight and I've flown hundreds of times without this one thought. Without this one thought. What happens if this flight crashes? Now, let's just have an honesty moment. Who would be honest to say you've you've had that same thought when you get on the flight? I love this, got such an honest church. The rest of you just think it's like a big roller coaster. Like, this is fun. I've flown hundreds of times and that thought crosses, crosses my mind. Why? When that thought comes in, it's an indicator that I need to trust God as my protector. Wherever fear comes in, it's where you need to trust God more. 
There's not a day in the last three years where I haven't thought, and I talk about this in the book, we don't have enough money for our new building. You might not have thought that. You might have thought, oh, it'll just all work out. But trust me, I'm thinking that. So what is that? That's an indicator to me that I need to trust God more as my provider. So every time a wave of fear attacks me, it's simply an indicator of where I need to build my trust in Him. So fear is not going to have control over your life. Fear is just, oh, it's an opportunity, an invitation for God to come in. Now the good news is this. Wherever my fear is, is where I need to direct my prayers and direct my Bible reading. So when I fly, I've been doing this for 10 plus years, I always carry a physical Bible. Always. Okay? I always carry a physical Bible. You say, well, I'll just take my phone. You pull your phone out on a plane, they're going to come after you. I've been there. You pull your Bible out, they just think you're weird. I'll take weird. I read the same psalm. Every time turbulence comes, I go into my little rucksack and I pull my Bible out and I read Psalm 121. It says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And that's all I do. I open my Bible and suddenly what I do is I release my fear. And it might be like this, but I'm holding on to it. And I'm still here, by the way. So wherever you fear the most is where you trust God the least, which means that you've got to combat that by releasing it through prayer and through His Word. So when the fear of there is not enough for the new building, and right now, in the natural, there's not enough, but in His kingdom, there's more than enough. I come to Philippians 4.19. I keep coming back to it. My God shall supply all of our needs as a church, not according to how I'm going to figure out, but according to His riches in glory. So where there is a lack of trust, there is a lack of faith. So I begin to build my faith. My God is going to supply. Now here's what happens. As you read God's Word, you release faith. Now, I have read so many self-help books, and let me tell you, a lot of them are really helpful. And I've listened to a lot of podcasts about fear, and they all say the same thing. Go and find a quiet space. Sit down. Breathe in. Breathe out. And release your fear. And I've done it. And nothing changes. I'll tell you why. Because the Bible doesn't talk about releasing fear. It talks about releasing faith. So what you do is you don't deal with fear. You speak the word over your fear. So you don't try and go, "Mm." you start declaring the promises of God. You release faith over your fear. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. Can I give you a little tip? Take your eyes, your thoughts, your emotions off your fear and begin to speak the Word of God that He shall supply your every need. He has never seen the righteous forsaken or His children begging for bread. He will supply. He will be your source in a fear. 
ever-present help in a time of need. Why? Because we live by faith. We live by faith. The world right now, we live by fear and with sight. That's the scripture right now. But the Bible says, no, we are to live by faith. What about we switch it this week? Instead of our focus being on our fears, just open our Bibles. I talked about this a few months ago in church, but since the middle of this pandemic, I've had my Bible open beside my bed. Why? Because I want faith to literally in the night when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling scared, and when I'm feeling on the Bible. I don't want my phone there. I don't want Facebook there. I don't want, I don't want stuff that's going to feed my fears. I want things that are going to feed my faith. Switch it up. Insanity. Doing the same thing and expecting a different result. If there's fear in your home, it's time to switch things up a little. Maybe it's time to switch the TV off and open up the book and begin to read it and speak the promises of God over your family. Faith trumps fear. We rejoice, we release. Are you ready? Six minutes to land this. Don't switch off at home. Redirect. We've got to redirect. You see, whenever we're wearing a mask of fear, our thoughts are always a million miles from God. You can't be full of fear and full of God all at the same time. When anyone ever talks to you about fear, can I give you a little help? Start talking to them about Jesus. Don't just be a listening ear. That's not enough anymore. Start talking to them about how big God is. Someone came to see me this week and they weren't church, never stepped foot in church. And I had a decision. I could just listen and they could go away and thought, oh, he was a good, good listener. I could actually tell them about someone who can change their situation. It's not enough just to listen anymore, guys. It's only part of the job. We've got to speak. We've got to speak truth into people's lives. It's the truth of this book that brings freedom. This is the book that will transform our lives. This is the book that's going to bring freedom into people's families and marriages. We've got to redirect. And Paul teaches us to redirect our attention to what we should be thinking about. Paul shows us specifically what we should be meditating on. He says in verse 8, Finally, soul church, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, praise wherever. He says, think. Think, switch, redirect your thoughts on these such things. You see, whatever you focus on in life becomes magnified. If we focus on fear, it becomes magnified. You ever known sometimes that a little irrational thought can just get blown up in your head? I was never a huge fan of biology at school. I did enjoy the Bunsen burner. It was always a good class, Bunsen burner, nice little learner. And uh, in fact, Mrs. Patterson, my biology teacher, comes to this church. So she was a great teacher. So I hope I get this right. But who remembers the lessons which involved a microscope? Yeah, remember those lessons? Some of you were skiving. But a microscope is designed to create a larger vision from a small object or a small image. So you look into it and something very minuscule becomes big. 
You know, a lot of, lot of us have lived our lives with a microscope mentality. We use all of our energy and we use all of our attention on this tiny little thing in our life and we've allowed it just to take over. It could be irrational, irrational fear. But it's taken over our lives. And remember, it won't stop unless you make a decision to stop it. And the thing of a microscope is it disregards absolutely everything else except for the image in focus. So when you're looking down the lens, the only thing you can see is the little tiny image in focus. See, what we magnify in life is what we get more of. You ever, someone's ever come to you and started talking to you about a fear or a problem and you're like looking at them like, I'm just going to take a step back because what you've got is a bigger perspective of their lives. You're like, wow, you're married, you, you own your own home and you're alive, you've got a job. But all they're so fixated in is this tiny little area of their lives that they can't see past. But because you've got a bigger perspective of their life, you're like, why don't you just focus, realign some perspective and you do have a job, yeah? We're in a pandemic and you've got a job. You've got a roof over your head. What is it? It's moving from a microscope mentality to a telescope mentality. I tell you, this is how God wants us to live. What does a telescope do? do? It's used to magnify something big and significant and bring it into our perspective. And when we pick up the telescope, what we do is we realize just how big God is and just how small our fears are. And if God has created this whole universe and if God can align the planets and if God can create our very lives, surely He can help us through the fears that we face. We have to intentionally fix our focus on what magnifies God and what minimizes our fears. You see, you can live with a a microscope mentality and constantly be looking at all the problems and the needs and the fears or you can say, God, today. As David said in Psalm 34, verse three, he said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And you gotta make a decision. You made such a great decision today to come to church. Why? Because in this room, we're not going to microscope your fears, analyze every area of your life. We're going to come in and we're going to begin to rejoice and we're going to begin to release our fears. And then we're going to redirect our thinking and say, God, God, if you can create the universe, if you can bring the stars into alignment, you can sort out my fears, you can help me. One of the reasons I love groups in this church is because groups, small groups, midweek groups, a time where we drop the microscope and we pick up the telescope and suddenly we come in back into community you see whenever you're isolated you this is why the devil loves lockdowns because we have this we've spent so much time on the internet analyzing everything picking holes at things blaming shaming God's like, that's not the way we were designed to live. Yes, there's problems, unless there's issues and fears, but you were designed to be in community. When you step into community, suddenly it's like, whoa, 
Our souls come alive. We pick up the telescope and suddenly, I believe we can make it again. I love what Mary says. She says in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, My soul does magnify the Lord. My soul does magnify the Lord. I believe that fear will not have the last word in your life. God wants you to give you the courage today. God wants you to give the courage just to throw your hands up and begin to rejoice Him in every circumstance, just like Paul. And say, God, I'm going to release my fears, however big, however small, I'm going to release them to you. I'm not going to release them by just say faith. Speak faith from the Word of God into my situation. And then I'm going to redirect. I'm making a determination, a fresh decision today to widen my perspective. You see, rejoice means worship. Release means word, God's word. And redirect means to widen our perspective. I believe that's the way God wants us to live. Look what happens when we rejoice, release and redirect our thoughts. It says in verse nine, it says the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace. Not the enemy of fear, but the God of peace. Peace and fear cannot coexist in your home. You've got to choose. Peace and fear cannot coexist in a marriage, in a church. As a church, I made a decision in this pandemic, this was going to be a faith-filled church. Have we made some mistakes? Probably. But we're going to be a faith-filled church. We're always going to believe the best. We're always going to keep those doors open as long as we can. Why? Because I want faith to come out of this church. We're going to focus on what God is doing in His church. So taking off the mask today, it doesn't mean that you'll never feel afraid again. It means that you can have confidence, that you can face fear with the help of Jesus. And I've written a declaration. I'd love you all to stand. I've written a declaration at the end of each one of these chapters. Come on, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in casting faith into people's homes and in people's lives. And so I'm going to read this out. And I want us to have a telescopic view of God today. Is that okay? Who would honestly say they feel better for being in church? Now, let me tell you why. It's because we have released faith into the atmosphere. We've released faith. Now you can do this at home. You don't have to have, it's handy when Brittany's here with the worship team, I will say that. But we can release faith with the kids on the way to school. We can release faith in the office before anyone gets in. We can release faith. You can make a decision this week. We can live with a microscopic, mentality of focusing on your issues, your small problems, or you can live with a telescopic attitude of God. God, you're with me. So why don't we say this out loud together? Are you ready? I want you to declare it, okay? There's a difference between saying something and declaring something. Declaration comes from the heart. Words come from the head. Okay, so I want you to say this from your heart. Are you ready? Are you ready to unmask? Father God, I recognize today I have been wearing the mask of fear for too long. With your help, I choose to take off the mask and take hold of courage and strength. 
you who are in me is greater than he that is in the world. I receive your freedom and liberty today. I remove the mask in Jesus' name. Come on, let's begin to rejoice. Come on, let's begin to release our faith. How incredible was that message? I believe the peace of God has been spoken right into your heart where you are in your room right now and right into every heart here. But the only way that we can know long-lasting peace that Pastor John has been talking about is to know the Prince of Peace. Even all those years ago when the angels proclaimed that the baby Jesus would be born, they sang glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill. He wants to bring peace and goodwill to your life. Now, maybe someone's brought you this morning and you're, you're in the room and you haven't yet made a decision to make your peace with God. Or maybe you're watching online and you've been watching for a long time, but you've heard these moments at the end of the service, but you haven't yet said yes to Jesus. See, making your peace with God is simply acknowledging Him. It's simply looking up. It's looking at taking the, the microscope away of zooming in on your sin and zooming in on your problems and zooming in on all the what ifs and the whys and, and I'm not good enough or he doesn't know what I've been through or you don't know what I've been through. But look through the, the, the telescope of how much God loves you how much He died to save this entire world, but to save you and that He loves you and He wants to give you forgiveness for your past and peace, peace right here, right now, peace with God and a knowledge that you will have hope for your future, eternal life, no fear of death. Fear of death is gone for the believer because we know that we will live with Him forever and ever. So right now, I want to extend an opportunity for peace. Who would say no to that? Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. And believing in Him right now is just taking a simple but powerful step to say yes to Jesus. In your room, where you're at, you're with someone else, maybe in this room. Or maybe you're saying yes for the first time to peace with God. Peace. When you're in peace with God, you will automatically be, have peace in your relationships with others. And so right now, I want to pray a prayer over every single one of you online and those of you in the room that want to say yes to connecting with the Prince of Peace, to invite Him into your heart, to invite Him into your life, to give you peace of mind, peace in your heart, and a knowledge of hope for your future and eternal life. Maybe you've once served God and you've had that peace, but COVID and disappointment, busyness, distractions has maybe caused you to pull away from that peace and you don't have that right now, but you wanna bring Jesus back into the center. You want to come back home today. If that's you, younger person, older person, this is your moment. So after three, I'm gonna ask for everyone in the room to raise your hand, but you online, you can just say yes in your heart. So after three, one, 
And you're responding and we're just gonna pray together, but I wanna know who I'm including in this prayer. So while every head is bowed, every eye closed, just give each other privacy. I'm gonna ask that you raise your hand all across this room. One, two, three. That's it, all across this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Yes, they're clapping in the room because about five or six people here have raised their hands, but we're clapping for you at home because we know that you've said yes in your heart. So if you meant that, maybe on your living room settee right now, put your hand on your heart. And those of you that raised your hand, pray this prayer after me and mean it from the bottom of your heart. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your word says, when I believe in my heart and speak with my mouth, I will be saved. I will be a Christian. I will know your peace. Right now, I invite you in. Forgive me of my sin, my past mistakes. Today, I choose you. Today, I'm coming back. I'm coming into right relationship with you. Peace with God and peace with those around me. I'm no longer fearful. I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we applaud again each and every one that has made that decision? We're excited for you. All of heaven is singing and rejoicing and partying for you right now. You no longer need to be a slave to fear. You're His child. We want to give you a gift that marks this occasion. If you're online, obviously we can't put this in your hand right now, but there might be a time when you're coming back into the room, we can give you one. So maybe your step will be to text the number on the screen, pop in your details on the chat, or maybe on our online, the, the uh, next steps will be on the screen for you to follow. And many people are doing this each week and myself and others would love to contact you in the week to congratulate you. And those of you that are in the room that raised your hand, or even if you didn't raise your hand, but you prayed that prayer and meant it, as many do, we would love to see you on your way out. Our team will be waving these. And these are a gift from our pastors to you to say, this is the day where you have moved forward and you've chosen to make a decision that you have made peace with God. Even if you already have a Bible, we'd love to also just grab your details so we can help you from here on. So you're not walking this journey alone, but um, we can cheer you on. So make sure you wave, say, hey, yeah, I prayed that prayer. And we would love to put one of these beautifully illustrated Bibles in your hand to mark the occasion. Well done. And I just want to acknowledge Pastor John for such an incredible message. Can we thank him both online, in the chat and in the room for sharing so vulnerably keys to our freedom, keys to overcoming fear in Jesus' name. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith@soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope to see you again soon. God bless.